Welcome to Israel Mosaic, Land People's Story. I'm your host, Cora Tarod, and I'm coming to you from the Galilee, where my wife and I live. Thank you for joining me. The world that we live in has become increasingly unstable and unpredictable. Yet, God remains in control over all His creation. On today's podcast, I'll be sharing how the Holy Land was renamed almost 2,000 years ago, the land of Israel becoming a desolation, the rebirth of a nation, and the possibility of peace in the Middle East. Tensions rising in Israel. For so many Westerners, we see and hear about a severely fractured, media-driven, and deeply politicized world of the Middle East. The mediums of the internet, documentaries, television, and motion pictures constantly bombard us with disturbingly graphic images of extreme violence, terrorism, intifadas, and honor killings. These images are sandwiched in between promising news stories, diplomatic engagements, and talking points on the normalization between Israel and their Arab neighboring nations, peace summits, and Abrahamic Accord global events. In the last few weeks, tensions have been rising here in Israel. There has been civil unrest between Israeli citizens protesting against the government's plans to overhaul the judicial system. Also, the IDF continues to carry out Operation Break the Wave, which began a year ago, in order to curb the influx of terrorist activity in Palestinian villages in Judea and Samaria, also known as the West Bank. In recent weeks, there have been intense clashes with soldiers and Palestinian terrorists when the IDF entered the Palestinian cities of Janine and Nablus, killing several members of terrorist cells and wounding over 100 Palestinians. In response to the IDF's raids, there have been a series of terrorist attacks in the past few weeks, which took the lives of two young brothers in Jerusalem ages 5 and 7. Another pair of brothers' lives were cut short this week in the Palestinian village of Huwara in broad daylight. In response, a group of Jewish extremist settlers set the village of Hawara on fire and killed one innocent Palestinian bystander. This week, there was also an American-Israeli who was killed in the Jordan Valley near Jericho by Palestinian terrorists. Could this be the beginning of a third intifada or uprising? To understand how we arrived at such a state of fragility in our global society, we need to re-examine the events and places of where they were born. Renaming the Promised Land Every word has a root, a starting place, and an origin. The genesis of the word Palestine is attributed to the Roman Emperor Hadrian. In an article by Jennifer Carlin, writing for the Jewish Journal, she states, The word Palestine originates from the Latin words Syria-Palestina, given by the Emperor Hadrian in 135 AD, who renamed the land of Israel after crushing the last Jewish rebellion against the Roman Empire and expelling the Jewish people from their homeland in 136 AD. Palestina comes from the word Philistine, 
The Philistines were an age-old enemy of the Jewish people, and the name was given intentionally to the kingdom of Judea and northern Israel in order to erase the memory and history of the Hebrews and to further humiliate God's chosen people. Psalm 83 speaks of these events, which have been repeated throughout Israel's history. It reads, See how your enemies make an uproar. Those who hate you have acted arrogantly. They devise clever schemes against your people. They conspire against your treasured ones. They say, Come, let us wipe them out as a nation, so that Israel's name will no longer be remembered. For they have conspired with one mind. They form an alliance against you, the tents of Edom and the Ishmaelites, Moab and the Hagarites, Gebal, Ammon, and Amalek, Philistia with the inhabitants of Tyre. The article goes on to explain that for two millennia, Jewish people lived in the diaspora, but a small remnant remained in the land. This tiny sliver of land, which was so valuable due to its geographical location, being a land bridge to three continents, became coveted by those leaders that rose to power and desired world domination. The Holy Land would be conquered time and time again by foreign empires, including the Byzantine, Islamic, Crusaders, Mamluk, Ottoman, and Great Britain. Blessings and Curses The land that once flowed with milk and honey was trampled and decimated and became a virtual wasteland. This tragic history was foretold by the ancient prophets who delivered God's eternal message to Israel. God puts forth His commandments for both obedience and disobedience for His people in the Torah. He says in Deuteronomy chapter 28, If you fully obey the Lord your God and carefully follow all His commands, I give you today, the Lord your God will set you high above all the nations on earth. All these blessings will come on you and accompany you if you obey the Lord your God. You will be blessed in the city and blessed in the country. The Lord will grant that the enemies who rise up against you will be defeated before you. They will come at you from one direction, but flee from you in seven. The Lord will establish you as his holy people, as he promised you on oath, if you keep the commands of the Lord your God and walk in obedience to him. Do not turn aside from any of the commands I give you today, to the right or to the left, following other gods and serving them. However, if you do not obey the Lord your God and do not carefully follow all his commands and decrees I am giving you today, all these curses will come on you and overtake you. The Lord will plague you with diseases until he has destroyed you from the land you are entering to possess. The Lord will cause you to be defeated before your enemies. You will come at them from one direction, but flee from them in seven, and you will become a thing of horror to all the kingdoms on earth. The Lord will drive you and the king you set over you to a nation unknown to you or your ancestors. There you will worship other gods, gods of wood and stone. These guidelines found in the Torah in Deuteronomy chapter 28 have been the untold story of his people Israel from the beginning of their existence and continue to be the meta-narrative of all their storied lives in and out of the land.
the land becomes desolate. One of the advantages that we have of living today is that we're able to look back at history and see the choices and decisions that God's people Israel made throughout their history. The ancient prophet Ezekiel speaks of the absolute abandonment of fruitfulness that would plague the nation of Israel. He writes in Ezekiel chapter 33, verse 28, I will make the land a desolate waste, and her proud strength will come to an end, and the mountains of Israel will become desolate so that no one will cross them. Ezekiel's prophetic words came to pass after Israel was once again exiled in 70 AD. Tragically, Israel went into idolatry and rebellion, and as a result, forfeited for millennia the full blessing God had promised to the patriarchs. This prophecy took on new meaning in the 400-year reign of the Ottoman Empire that began in the 16th century in Israel. The Ottoman Empire Few empires throughout history have had the expansive and long rulership of territories like the Ottoman Empire. In an article by Tom Simcox for Israel My Glory magazine entitled The Ottoman Legacy, he writes, The land fared poorly under the Ottoman rule. The Ottoman tax system was ruinous and did much to keep the land underdeveloped, and the population was small. What transpired was that people living in the land cut down trees so that they could avoid paying heavy taxes on the trees. The Jewish people were persecuted mercilessly by the Turks, who ruled the Ottoman Empire, and were severely taxed at rates equivalent to extortion. In her groundbreaking book from Time Immemorial, Joan Peters quoted the Christians who visited the Jewish city of Sfat in the 17th century. The Jews, they said, paid for the very air they breathe. Yet, despite all the persecution and hardship that the Jewish people endured, a remnant of Jewish inhabitants always remained in the land. Mark Twain's Visit to the Holy Land In the article called The Ottoman Legacy, Tim Simcox writes that when famous American author and humorist known as Mark Twain visited Israel in 1869, he described a land that was a far cry from flowing with milk and honey. He is quoted as saying, We transverse some miles of desolate country whose soil is rich enough but is given over wholly to weeds where prosperity has reigned and fallen, where glory has flamed out and gone out. There is not a solitary village throughout its whole extent, not for 30 miles in either direction. There are two or three small clusters of Bedouin tents, but not a single permanent habitation. One may ride 10 miles, hereabouts, and not see 10 human beings. 1917 In 1917, the British acquired the territory of what is now Israel from the Ottoman Empire post-World War I and renamed it the British Mandate of Palestine. On November 2, 1917, Secretary of State Arthur James Balfour issued his famous declaration in full support of a national homeland for the Jewish people. Two months later, on the morning of December 9, 1917, after Turkish troops left the region, officials of the Holy City of Jerusalem gave the keys of the city to the British troops. 
The British were led by General Edmund Allenby, who came from the Western Front and entered Jerusalem by foot, ushering in a new nation who would oversee, govern, and rule the region. The Splitting of the Land The prophet Joel shared God's displeasure in the severance of his land, Israel. In Joel chapter 3, verse 2, he writes, Then I will put them on trial for what they did to my inheritance, my people Israel, because they seated with my people among the nations and divided my land. Yet, with a stroke of a pen on a Sunday afternoon in Cairo, Egypt, in 1921, that is what the late Winston Churchill did when he created the British mandate of Transjordan. 77% of the land went to the nation of Jordan, and 23% went to the new nation of Israel. Israel as a nation had been resurrected, changed, and divided, becoming the smallest territorial land space in its storied history. Yet, this land one day will be given by God territories that will be extended from the outskirts of Egypt to the river Euphrates, as promised in Genesis chapter 15, verse 18. In an article by the late Dave Hunt, he says, The world, in taking the side of Islam, is joining this pagan and violent religion in its open defiance of the God of the Bible. He has warned that he will punish all the nations of the world for two things they have done to his chosen people, whom they have scattered among the nations and parted my land. Israel has been conquered by many enemies who have occupied it, but never divided it. Not even the Muslims did that. End quote. Israel, the birth of a nation. In 1948, after 2,000 years of exile, persecution, and wandering, the state of Israel was miraculously born, fulfilling God's unforgotten promises foretold by the prophets. In Isaiah chapter 66, verse 8, he writes, Can a land be born in one day, or a nation be delivered in an instant? Yet, as soon as Zion was in labor, she gave birth to her children. On that same day, the new nation would undergo war against five Arab nations that would last until 1949. This would be a constant occurrence in an ever-changing Middle East, and this newfound nation would face war on the first day of its existence and continue with the Second Arab-Israeli War in 1956, Six-Day War in 1967, and the Yom Kippur War of 1973. There was also the First Lebanon War in 1982 and the Second Lebanon War in 2006. Besides the all-out wars, Jewish people that once lived in Arab lands would face a new reality. In an article called The Expulsion of Jews from Arab Countries and Iran, An Untold History, the author writes that for 2,500 years, Jews lived continuously in North Africa, the Middle East, and the Gulf region. The first Jewish population had already settled there at least 1,000 years before the advent of Islam. Now, suddenly, with the birth of Israel, 850,000 Jewish people were forced to leave their homes in Egypt, Lebanon, Syria, Iraq, Yemen, Iran, Libya, Morocco, and other Arab countries in the 20 years that followed the Arab-Israeli War of 1948. Another major forced migration took place from Iran in 1979 
1980, following the Iranian Revolution, adding 70,000 more Jewish refugees to this number. A politicized invention. Before 1948, all people living together in the Holy Land were called Palestinians. Yet, as Jewish people stopped using the word Palestine, Arab Muslim leaders seized the word to describe an Arab entity that never existed. Distinguished Arab American historian Philip Hitti testified before the Anglo American Committee in 1946 and said, "There is no such thing as Palestine in history." Absolutely not. In fact, Palestine is never explicitly mentioned in the Quran. Rather, it is called the Holy Land. A former PLO commander who was once interviewed by a Dutch newspaper in 1977 said, "The Palestinian people do not exist. The creation of a Palestinian state is only a means for continuing our struggle against the state of Israel for our Arab unity. Only for political and tactical reasons." Do we speak today about the existence of a Palestinian people? Arab-Israeli conflict in the end of days. With the Arab and Israeli relationship always at a fragile state, many people want to know how their relationship will play out in the end of days. In an article by Michael Brown entitled "Historic Peace Treaty or Preparations for the Antichrist." He writes that one document of the Abrahamic Accords reads, "This development will lead to a future in which all peoples and faiths live together in the spirit of cooperation and enjoy peace and prosperity, where states focus on shared interests and building a better future." Michael Brown says there are prophetic scriptures that speak of a false peace orchestrated by the Antichrist. That will lull the world to sleep, leading to the death of millions. One verse that is in the scriptures in First Thessalonians chapter five, verse thirteen says, "While people are saying peace and safety, destruction will come on them suddenly, as birth pangs on a pregnant woman, and they will not escape." Trying to broker peace. For decades, world leaders and politicians. Have tried to broker peace agreements and deals in the Middle East, ranging from the Oslo Accords to the Camp David summit. These negotiations have tried to get the two sides, Israelis and Palestinians, to come to terms and to sign a peace plan with each other. Are all these treaties and summits a prelude to Daniel chapter nine verses twenty-six and twenty-seven, and the mediation of the Antichrist between the Arab and Jewish peoples? In an article called "The Antichrist," a summary from what we know in Scripture says that the Antichrist will be instrumental in negotiating a peace treaty with the nation of Israel and the Palestinians. The signing of the seven-year peace treaty will mark the beginning of the seven-year tribulation, otherwise known as the time of Jacob's trouble. At the three and a half-year mark, the Antichrist will break his treaty with Israel, and the Jewish people. Will once again be the subject of great persecution. In the end of days, Jesus warned that signs would precede his return to the earth. He says in Matthew chapter twenty-four, starting with verse four, "Watch out that no one deceives you, for many will come in my name, claiming I am the Messiah, 
and will deceive many. You will hear of wars and rumors of wars, but see to it that you are not alarmed. Such things must happen, but the end is still to come. Nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom. There will be famines and earthquakes in various places. All these things are the beginning of birth pangs. Then you will be handed over to be persecuted and put to death, and you will be hated by all the nations because of me. At that time, many will turn away from the faith and will betray and hate each other, and many false prophets will appear and deceive many. Because of the increase of wickedness, the love of most will grow cold, but the one who stands firm to the end will be saved. The Antichrist will rise at a time when there will be global instability politically, socially, and economically. He will be presented as someone who has the answers to the world's baffling dilemmas. But he will bring false peace that will only further drive the world into more chaos and turmoil. No one knows exactly how all of the biblical events will play out, but there is one thing that is for sure. True peace will only come through the Prince of Peace, who is Jesus, or Sar Shalom in Hebrew, who will return to the land of Israel setting up his eternal kingdom in Jerusalem, where he will reign forever. The Hope for True Peace So much of daily life and struggle here in the Middle East is a fulfillment of the words from the prophets of the Hebrew Bible and directly by God himself. The realities of war and terrorism have been perpetual from the beginning of the nation of Israel's existence, but have continued due to a small handful of leaders who promote hatred over peace. Here in Israel, there has been a perpetual cycle of bitterness on both Israeli and Palestinian sides. For example, an Israeli soldier sees members of his unit killed by a Palestinian suicide bomber and becomes embittered by the trauma of this horrific attack. On the other hand, a Palestinian sees an IDF soldier entering his village killing members of his family and becomes resentful. This cycle is hard to break, yet it is not impossible. In a powerful documentary called Forbidden Peace, an Israeli man who experienced trauma from war named Moan and a Palestinian man who was a former terrorist and bodyguard for Yasser Arafat named Tas are able to reconcile their past in order to make peace with each other through finding faith in Yeshua, their Jewish Messiah. The scriptures tell us in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 14, For he himself is our peace, who has made the two one and has torn down the dividing wall of hostility. In these days that are filled with turbulence, confusion, deception, and no peace, Jesus reminds us that he is the one who can bring peace and shalom to all of life's uncertainties. He says in John chapter 14, verse 27, Peace I leave with you, my peace I give you. I do not give you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled, and do not be afraid. The Messiah of Israel knew that in the end of days, men's hearts would fail them due to fear, and the condition of the world would become increasingly perilous. Yet, he offers us hope and the assurity of shalom and peace. In John chapter 16, verse 33, 
He says, I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have tribulation, but take heart, I have overcome the world. Join me next time on Israel Mosaic, Land People's Story, when I will be bringing you news on the potential war between Iran and Israel. See you soon.